On this wintry day, strolling along Dundas Street West, we are encountering this amazing building by Frank Gehry, nearing completion. And one of the extraordinary things about the building that we can already feel is the way it just fits, sits and knits so comfortably into the, into the city fabric. Here at the intersection of McCall and Dundas, streetcars coming along, traffic's moving, people are moving, and the building, uh, the scale, the texture of it, even in this not quite completed state, it, it feels like it's part of the life of the city. And I think that's one of uh, Frank's, uh, one of Frank Gehry's intentions, is that the building be of course, a bit of a landmark, but that it also fits in a kind of natural way with the life and the rhythm, the everyday rhythms of, uh, of the city. At the intersection here, it's not finished yet, but we can see the steel and the basic construction starting to happen where there will be this uh, kind of big billboard piece flipping up and uh, at the corner and hovering over the reinstalled uh, Henry Moore sculpture. Henry, the Henry Moore sculpture is getting a new home, a new location here at the corner. But really, I think the, the big idea of the uh, long glass facade that's covering the sculpture Galleria, Galleria Italia, um, uh, it's this long glassy sweep that keeps changing as we walk along. We're walking westward now. And at certain moments, this kind of silvery skin on the Galleria, um, I think it's three, four hundred feet long, um, uh, it's reflecting kind of fragmented reflections of the buildings and the environment around it. So at first, it feels very reflective and... Um, and then as you get closer to it, you begin to understand that it's transparent. And we can see um, up to the second level, uh, onto this mezzanine level where the sculpture gallery will be. And of course, we'll be able to see pieces of sculpture uh, looking up from the street. So right away, the building is sort of revealing itself to us. And this um, architectural transparency will be manifested by a kind of more general notion of uh, institutional transparency. It's part of the, of the agenda, new agenda of the AGO. So it's, it really is so magnificent and bold, this big um, wooden structure made out of Douglas fir uh, running along Dundas Street and then with this kind of silvery uh, glass skin. The people who know Frank Gehry and has followed his work for 30 or 40 years know that Frank has always had a fascination with fish and skeletal structures and zoomorphic creatures of all types. But one way to look at this big gallery uh, structure along Dundas is to see it uh, almost like the body of some great fish where you can kind of see the skeleton of the fish made out of this uh, big Douglas fir 
timbers and then the glassy scales of the fish. Um, I think Frank might even buy that story himself. Uh, we just can't help but think about the, the fish stories when talking about, about the architect. And uh, going from, as a big truck passes by, So going from east to west, uh, along the street, there's going to be a, uh, a cafe, a, a, a gallery, contemporary gallery that people can access uh, without paying to go into the museum. So it's the kind of place where you can hang out, socialize, uh, see some art quickly, have a lunch if you want, without engaging the whole museum. So all along Dundas, underneath the Underneath the fish um, is um, uh, a covered arcade, which makes a lot of sense in our climate, particularly on a snowy day like this, will be a welcome gesture. It's actually a great pleasure to see buildings like this under construction. And right now, towards the west end, the glass isn't quite finished, and we can see the uh, the exposed the exposed wooden structure. This is one of the things that is characteristic of Frank Gehry's work, and that is kind of revealing, exposing, layering, and um, I have flashbacks to Frank Gehry's own wonderful house in Santa Monica in Los Angeles, where he and his wife Berta in the 1970s bought a rather normal-looking um, California, L.A. bungalow and transformed it quite radically into their home. But it had still has this magnificent skylight over the kitchen made out of uh, wooden framing members, kind of very complex shape that thrusts up out of the house. And uh, when I look at the AGO and this uh, kind of complex wooden structure, this bold structure along Dundas, of course I have flashbacks to that early skylight uh, in uh, Frank and Berta's house in, in Santa Monica. He's, he's been interested in wood for 30 years and has used it in a lot of his projects. And it will be used extensively in the AGO, not only for the framing, but some of the interior spaces, staircases, uh, paneling of the big entertainment hall, and so on. Um, it brings a real warmth to uh, a structure. Uh, and Frank said a few months ago, said to me, and it's also part of my Canadianness coming back. Of course, being a native of Toronto originally, where he grew up in his first 17 years, and then loving hockey, and there's a real Canadianness to all of this. Um, anyway, lots of lots of sources of inspiration for the wood structure. So we're now down at the west end of the building and um, at the west end, similar to the east end, there will be this kind of billboard shard-like piece, very large in scale, that sort of separates from the main skin of the building and flips up at the end. 
and these pieces at the east and the west end sort of turn, they inflect, uh, they inflect towards the intersections and, uh, uh, and kind of are, are uh, what shall we say, grabbers of sorts for, for the project at the key, in, at the key uh, intersections. Now we're at Dundas and Beverly looking down the street back the other way. Now the, the, this, the, the gallery of the whole Dundas Street facade just seems to sort of zoom along this street. It has a sort of sense of acceleration, grabs the activity of the street and just sort of moves us along in an accelerated way. It's really a very exciting piece and it's bold and yet it seems to have a scale that's very sympathetic with... Uh, Dundas. It's, uh, it seems very generous and kind of outgoing building that, that at least from my perspective, relates very well to the uh, texture and scale of the neighborhood. And I think it's going to be a very welcoming, uh, a very welcoming face and uh, engagement along Dundas. Well, walking down southward on Beverly, we get a little glimpse of the South Contemporary Tower, the, the block that is devoted primarily to contemporary art. And it's a big tower, but the architect has held it back uh, quite a distance from the street. And so we, we only see kind of little fragments of it. And now that it's getting its marvelous titanium skin um, uh, it, it has this great capacity to sort of flex and sometimes is sort of sil very silvery sometimes very silverly, silvery blue and uh, Frank Gehry refers to it as sky blue because he likes the idea that this tower block because it is a pretty big volume, uh, he likes the fact that by using uh, the titanium and the silvery sky blue color, he can almost, in his words, as he said to me once, I can almost make it disappear. So it's a kind of a magical um, uh, skin that he and his colleagues have managed to, um, to wrap this block in. Um, and it really does change depending on the time of which day and the time it will change seasonally and it will change morning to evening um, it's it's really spectacular and then coming out of that block as part of a whole family of i guess we could loosely call them kind of baroque very sculptural stairways um, coming out of this contemporary block at the south um, are stairways that are kind of lovingly referred to sometimes as the, the barnacles they're sort of appendages but they flow out of the building and, um, and of course they actually, one of them actually connects two of the floors in the tower so you, you'll be in the tower and then you kind of swing out of the tower and come down the stair back to another level and and these were, uh, you know, part, partly happened through a process of community engagement and how people 
wanted uh, uh, flow and movement to work through the building. There were very good suggestions that came to the project from the community. So now, walking through the snow in Grange Park, we can look at some of the earlier parts. Of course, the AGO has been realized over many decades, and it's a kind of collage of many different parts, starting with the Grange House, the great historic house, um, which is on on the axis of John Street, coming up from the south. And then to the left, to the west of that, are some pieces that are still, uh, I think, extremely well done, or, or, or still look extremely good. Uh, the additions and additions, additions and changes that were made by Barton Myers, um, who at the time was based in uh, based in Toronto, but these pieces kind of very quiet, almost a kind of Georgian feel in the scale of the fenestration and the brick. Um, very sympathetic with the Grange House, but now Frank adding Frank Geary adding this uh, large contemporary block has added another piece to the composition. And in fact, the composition is even bigger than the AGO itself because to the east, um, uh, looming in a pleasant way over the park is the OCAD, the big black and white pixelated box designed by Will Alsop. The great box lifted up on the colorful we call them pickup stick columns. Um, and another thing that I think works so well with the new AGO project is that Frank Gehry has related volumetrically and uh, urbanistically, has related uh, the contemporary tower very, very carefully uh, to the uh, big box by Will Alsop for OCAD. So, in fact, the top of the two buildings are only one or two meters difference in, in height. And these two volumes now frame the uh, park and, actually, and make the park space better. So you have a kind of one, two, three now with the, um, uh, well, not so beautifully designed, but the apartment building to the south end, um, the OCAD building to the east, and now the Contemporary Tower, uh, which we're looking at up through the treetops. Now, as I mentioned, this facade, um, this this, uh, titanium sky blue wrapped volume at the back of the AGO, um, I think is going to work really well compositionally with the former historic pieces and the Barton Myers editions. And out of that big volume will be these kind of twisting, very dynamic stairways and a huge uh, window opening that actually goes through several levels of the Contemporary Tower. Inside the Contemporary Tower, up on the top two floors, will be what I refer to as kind of village of galleries. Um, There will be kind of pavilion-like structures um, inside the big block 
again, scaling down the visitor's experience. Those galleries, the village of galleries, as well as uh, this very big kind of entertainment, very flexible kind of um, social entertainment hall. Um, so inside the big tower will be um, the, 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 the village and Bailey Court. Bailey Court being a flexible, kind of marvelous place for special events and entertaining. It will have... Uh, wood paneling and uh, uh, pieces from the AGO collection hung on the walls of uh, Bailey Court. Now moving kind of further into Grange Park and down near John Street where John comes up, John Street coming up from the south, um, more or less on axis with the Grange House and the new contemporary tower new tower for contemporary art um, again I think we can see that Frank Gehry is not only a very imaginative architect but somebody who's very committed in terms of urban design and situating the building uh, carefully and thoughtfully into the urban texture and in uh, a way that actually makes Grange Park better. It makes it more contained. It, it, it kind of contains the space and enlivens it. So I'm standing on the axis now, coming up John, looking south towards the lake, and you can kind of feel the history of Toronto at this moment, and you turn north, and it's the, the Grange House, and then this big three-story glass picture window um, uh, composed uh, as part of the of the tower. Now moving closer to the east side of Grange Park and standing near the OCAD, the big pixelated box on its colorful supports this very intriguing project by Will Alsop, we can again see the, the relationship between these two buildings and how thoughtful the architects have been, I think, towards um, the Grange Park and then Frank Gehry very carefully relating his project volumetrically uh, with the Alsop building to the east. And um, I, I can really begin, now that the, the, the AGO project is nearing completion, I can really begin to feel how it's going to, um, the exterior of the building is going to really change and flex with the changing light seasonally and throughout the day. Uh, Frank Gehry is extraordinarily talented as an architect when it comes to working with and manipulating um, natural light, daylight. And this is true not only in terms of the exterior of the building and the way he deals with light on the tower block and infuses the um, uh, sculpture Galleria, Galleria Italia along Dundas, but this light is going to also um, filter into the building. Uh, some of the, the new galleries have uh, 
very carefully designed um, skylights that will bring sunlight and filtered natural light down into the galleries and enliven the visitor's experience. And uh, in, in the same way, uh, light is being natural light is being brought in many different ways into the um, uh, tower block at the at the south side. A few months ago, I had the pleasure of being up in the tower and um, looking south along the John Street corridor, and it is going to be one of the great views in the city. Um, great rooms with great views uh, looking, looking to the south. And I think people will have an opportunity to experience the city and to uh, look towards the lake and enjoy the city in a new way. Uh, indeed, Frank Gehry has really grasped that opportunity and it is a, it is a building that um, is, is supporting the programs and the aspirations of the AGO, but it's also a great urban project because it will allow people to see the city and understand the city in new ways. It's an interesting day for me to be walking around the AGO and thinking about the architect's aspirations and his own memories of Toronto. Uh, it's a snowy cold, wintry day, and I remember Frank Gehry, the architect, telling me that some of his earliest memories, perhaps his earliest memory of going to the AGO was uh, with his mother in the winter, and he said he remembered uh, having to wear galoshes, boots, as he put it, he called, of course called them galoshes, and uh, uh, going into the building uh, through the Walker Court, entering the old formal entry and going into the Walker Court and he had such strong uh, kind of flashback and memory of that experience and I know that when he started developing his concept for transforming the AGO he, he was reconnecting with his own personal experiences as a child in Toronto and uh, coming to the AGO, learning about art. But it was so much about the Walker Court because it was a great space. It was a place of orientation and clarity. And now in the new AGO, uh, once again, the Walker Court's going to be restored to its place of, of um, authority and, and uh, exhilaration. And uh, it's bringing back the integrity of the Walker Court. And it will, I think, uh, be a, an amazing surprise. It will be quite amazing when people see the revitalized Walker Court in all of its majesty with the, the most Baroque of all the new staircases that Frank has uh, designed for the AGO. And this kind of spiraling up, um, again, sort of zoomorphic uh, uh, almost orgiastic stair going up through the Walker Court and up through the skylight and connecting into the tower block above. Looking up at the big south tower block, which will house contemporary art, we can see where the blue, sky blue titanium is starting to uh, appear. And it 
is so interesting to see this final skin going on because it has a kind of finer uh, scale texture and a pattern, a kind of overlapping, almost shingle-like pattern that's, uh, that's really quite intriguing, quite sophisticated. But um, standing here, maybe I may be 80 feet from the corner of the, of the south block, you can uh, see already how this blue is so subtle and how it's going to kind of shift and change with the sky and with the season. And I remember being in Frank Gehry's office when he and his staff were looking at a whole range of blue samples. There must have been 20 big samples of the titanium. And uh, he said, I really want um, a kind of sky blue, something that's sometimes going to disappear into the blue-blue sky and other times slightly contrast with a more wintry gray sky. So um, it, it will have a kind of intentional instability in terms of color, almost like the Joseph Albers sense of color being uh, inherently uh, unstable and shifting depending on the season, the time of day, the light, and so on. Um, but it's going to be, um, I think, a great surprise, a wonderful surprise, when all of the titanium wrap is finally finished on the, on the south block. We're at the southeast corner of Grange Park, cutting through underneath the great pickup stick, colorful columns underneath the OCAD sharp pavilion box. And uh, it gives us a kind of moment to have a kind of fragmentary view of the uh, south tower of the AGO. And, uh, the tower, I think, will sometimes present itself like that. We'll get sort of fragmented, quick little partial views of the building, as well as the grand axial view coming up, John, from the south. One of the intriguing things is the way the architectural and urbanistic agenda of the project are starting to come into sync with the design of the galleries, the reinstallation of the art, new educational programs, and uh, the creation of a series of kind of orientation hubs within the AGO. And all of these things uh, uh, are beginning to feel quite integrated as a whole notion about the transformation uh, the greater transformation of the AGO. And uh, I think that when talking about the architecture, it's always important to remember that it's a, a primary element of the transformation. But finally, it's about this larger agenda that will enable people, an expanded audience, to uh, enjoy art and enjoy the programs uh, of the of the AGO, so the ar the architecture uh, has to be really in support of that larger, more complex agenda. And I think Frank Gehry, being a lover of art, and we can call him an artist himself as well as being an architect, uh, understands that very well. It's finally about the 
the total experience of coming to the AGO in all of its marvelous complexity. We're back now at the corner of McCall and Dundas uh, at that place where the Henry Moore sculpture is at the moment all wrapped up in plywood, keeping warm. But um, uh, we're back at this corner, which will sort of burst open with energy um, around the Henry Moore and then lead us from the east along the arcade to the um, restaurant and the, and the main entrance entrance to the museum and standing here in Dundas I can sort of see the reflection of the, the sky to the west in this uh, taut glass skin wrapped over the, the Douglas fir structure um, and I'm, I'm reminded of this, this uh, manipulation of the natural light both on the surfaces of the building uh, within the galleries and throughout the whole building. I really, I do think that the, the, the manipulation of natural light is going to be one of the most successful parts of the AGO transformation and the new experience of art that will be possible uh, when the building reopens, um, uh, when the AGO, the new AGO uh, opens this coming fall. Well, a streetcar is coming along Dundas, uh, one of our uh, lovely red streetcars, and uh, I think this is another important part of Frank's uh, memory and another thing that he's actually trying to, in his own way, kind of uh, accommodate uh, as part of this sense of acceleration and speed and movement coming along Dundas Street.